Hey guys, it's Liz, and you are listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, where we give people the chance to write a letter to their younger selves in hopes that we can learn a little bit from their lives. Hey guys, welcome to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, and today we have my friend Courtney McGonnell here with us. She is 26. She is a senior and in nursing school. So she went back to school for a bachelor's degree in, in, in nursing and finishing up that. And she's been married for three years. Something also wonderful about Courtney is she just got a new puppy. What did you name your dog? His name is Tater. I've had that picked out for the last five years and it's finally come to life. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's a golden retriever? Yes. Okay. An my. English cream one. So he's like all white, but he's absolutely perfect oh my gosh we're so in love oh just so good so so good and yeah she has been talking about naming a dog tater for for many years and uh courtney and i met when she worked with youth for christ as the what was communications and events coordinator okay communications she ran the social media she made us turn in all of our support letters and did all the communicating so. everyone's favorite gal yeah, right. making them turn in their support letters <laughs> doing all of that so um Courtney you have had a long journey of learning about control and well not about it you learning to release control because you're somebody who likes to have a lot of structure and control in their life even though you identify as an Enneagram 7 you're in an Ennea crisis right now where you might actually be a one and have been denying that your entire life. So I like to think I'm really spontaneous and really fun. Yeah. And then when I sit in a dark corner and really think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm not. You had to plan <laughs> your your spontaneous day. I did. I planned it hour by hour mm-hmm. of my spontaneous day. I had to plan out when I would start it, when I would finish it, and possible ideas that I could do during it. Yes. So Which felt incredibly spontaneous. <laughs> That's amazing. She just got done showing me all of her spreadsheets she has on her computer where, man, there was one time Courtney was planning out their meals, her and her husband's meals for three months. You know, they they knew in April what they were going to be eating in February. And so it's just it's a lot. And by one time, she means currently because I have them (laughs) planned through June. Oh, Courtney. As of right now. It's, I could tell you what we're eating on June 6th, 2021. Is, that is too much. It's absolutely too much. Oh, gosh. I am not a very planned person. I prefer spontaneity in life. And this is this feels like a lot. I really stress Liz out sometimes. Yeah. I can barely plan meals for the week, mm-hmm. let alone in enti- until June. It's like, what if you want something else a certain day? You know, and you're stuck in your plan. But that's a different podcast, and I must not be as good of a planner because I never feel stuck. Oh my gosh! Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of stuck. So, Courtney, obviously, your entire life you've spent with this journey of feeling like you need to control things, and you just feeling like you have this like desire to know what's going on, what's going to happen. You know, you you hold on to life with your closed fists, clenching very hard. So. How did that journey start growing up? It's like, how did that look in, in middle school, high school? As, as a kid, how did you experience that need for control? I think that, so I went to a Christian school starting from kindergarten on up. Um, everything, everything was pretty safe. I knew what I was going to be doing day by day, going to school. I loved sports, so I knew what sports I liked. I was going to do those. 
I had great parents, a great sibling. I mean, my life was pretty structured yeah. and pretty, pretty controlled for me. Um, and so I kind of sank into that, sank into the comfort of having that very structured, very controlled life where I didn't have to feel uncomfortable. I didn't have to feel unsafe. And so I think that as you, as you progress through middle school where things become a little bit more uncomfortable, things become a little bit more unsafe and unsure what's going to happen. And then you move into high school where, okay, now I'm having to start making these decisions. Yeah. It becomes a lot more closed fist and a lot harder to let those sorts of things just happen. Mm -hmm. And so my natural inclination is to be one very independent and also very controlled. And so as I was progressing into high school, realizing that I was going to have to start making decisions for my future, I thought about it probably way more than any of my peers did and stressed about it and had this anxiety about what it was going to look like and how I was going to keep that same level of comfort that I'd had throughout my whole life into the next stage. Hmm. And even like in high school, you're not planning your meals and you're not doing those things, but you're planning the rest of your life, right? Like you're sitting there thinking, okay, at this age, I want to be this. At this age, I want to do this. And this age, I want to like, you know, I think every, I, at least speaking from a teenage girl perspective, every every high school girl has a, has a plan in some sort of way. But when things didn't follow up with that plan, um, that anxiety that came from that is stifling a little bit and it makes you doubt yourself and doubt your plan and doubt doubt a lot of different things and so even like in high school in those times where things began like the world started to advance more and more like it's more complex for you you can't control everything going on what what did it look like for you in those years when things felt out of your control when they I would say when things fell out of my control in my high school years, I fell back on very, very safe rhythms. So basketball practice, like that's where I had the freedom to kind of let go of some of that anxiety and just really live in that moment. But I would also say that's where a lot of my very unhealthy practices started to come into being because I didn't know, I didn't have good ways to handle that stress and the anxiety of the unknown, of the uncomfortable. And so... My brother and I always joke, we're list makers. Mm. So we make these lists and we bury ourselves in them, which for him, it's like college football lists. For me, it's food meals and mm. planning. And even in high school, when I couldn't physically do those things, I still had that tendency to, okay, this is my comfort zone. I'm going to fall back into this. But I would say I poured a lot of it out into sports and out into, I'm the funny one in school. Yeah. I'm the outgoing one. I'm the I'm the always has a smile on her face. And so when I was having those moments where I I physically can't put a smile on my face in this moment, like what do I do? And I started to develop some really unhealthy habits in mm. that. What were some of like what did some of those habits look like? As somebody who's listening and they're like, "Well, I wonder if I'm struggling with something like this." What are maybe some of the habits that, that came out for you? Besides like deep list making. Oh, I know that that's not everybody's, <laughs> everybody's go-to habit control. Yeah. Um, I would say I started really drowning myself in certain TV shows that I would just binge and probably shouldn't have been watching. And I would, this didn't happen towards the beginning of high school, but, but towards the end of high school, I put a lot of my self-worth into 
what other people thought of me and especially into what guys thought of me. And that got me into some pretty tricky situations. And so by the end of my high school career, I mean, that's where a lot of my self-worth was going because those were situations I felt like I could control. And then when those turned out to be situations I couldn't control, I just sank in even more. Hmm. And I was like, what do I, if I can't control this, then what can I control? Yeah. So. Well, yeah, because you can't control people. No. Whether whether we hate that. (laughs) Would love to control Mm. people or not. Like we, we can't control people. And I know that there's been hurt in relationships that you've had. And I know that there's been hurt and like, we've all been hurt by people, you know, cause every single person is a flawed human being and we're not created to be perfect. And so when we get hurt and when we feel that out of control there, somebody else is out of control spirit rubbing off on us and hurting us. That makes us feel like, okay, well I need to be a controlled person so that that I, this doesn't happen again to me right and so from a lot of our a lot of times like from our hurts and from our like the pain that we have that's when we're like okay well I never want to experience this again so I'm just gonna hold on to this with a tight fist and not have to feel that again yeah that's the thing about when you get hurt by somebody else and it feels outside of your control it very much feels like a justification mm. for why you are this way yeah oh well I've been cheated on So that's why I am this way. I'm allowed to hold things super close to the chest. I'm allowed to not let other people know what's happening in my life because, well, what if it happens again? And so there's a lot of justification in it that is very stifling and does not allow for any sort of freedom in decision making. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to decide, because you went to Huntington University. Hey, oh. And uh, when you're trying to decide those big things and you're struggling with this desire to feel like everything needs to be controlled and safe, but there's this whole unknown future in your life, how did you how did you deal with that and reconcile those feelings with having to actually make a decision? So I was always that person with the five to 10 year plan and I knew what it was going to be. I had a great plan to get there and I was going to get there. And so honestly... Once we hit the point where we were going to go to college, I had thought about it for a very, very long time, but I had thought about it from my own comfort and how am I going to achieve my goals with the least amount of stress? Yeah. And so the high school that I went to is very much attached to Huntington University. And so I got a great scholarship. That's where my brother went. I knew that I could get my degree from there and I knew that I would be surrounded by good Christian people. It'd be a really safe environment. And so I didn't pray about it I didn't think about it I just was like well that's where I'm gonna go because that fits very nicely into my plan yeah and even the the major that you chose communications how did you decide that yeah so I was undecided for two years which is me just absolutely threw me for a loop and so by the it was about the middle of my sophomore year I was like I have to make a decision and so I'm gonna make again the safe comfortable I can hold this super close decision I was like I can get a degree in communications and I think I can get a job from it I think I can be very secure I think I can make this work long term yeah and so I just kind of slid into it again didn't pray about it didn't think about it just thought I mean I thought about it but it was just I can do this this Mm -hmm. is gonna be pretty simple for me yeah it's it, it seems like all of your decisions to that point were just what's the safest thing for me to do what's the thing that's gonna guarantee like the 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 like, you know, the the best shot at having this safe life that I desire for myself. And from a worldly perspective, I mean, they were all smart choices. Yeah. That was the thing. I wasn't disappointing anybody. 
I wasn't disappointing myself. I wasn't disappointing my parents, my friends, my professors. Everybody was thinking, you're on the right path. You're doing it all right. I was basically debt-free, Yeah, going to be debt-free, going to get a college degree. The next thing on the agenda was to get married. Mm-hmm. And so it was just step-by-step progression. And then I was going to get a job. Yeah. And that was going to be the rest of my life. Yeah. And so even in college, you're you're now living with people that you cannot control. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff happening. Were you in resident life as well? Yeah. So I was, I worked for the Friesen Center, which is the volunteer organization at Huntington University. But then I became an RA my senior year. Okay. I had kind of avoided it up until then. And then my senior year, I thought, ooh, I want a single room. Oh, yeah. So I'll become an RA, which is the worst reason to become an RA. <laughs> and I learned so much through the experience. Yeah. So how was how was leading a floor of people that you can't control, you can't fit into this safe mold or, or anything like that? Like, how did that go go for you during all of that? I have a... I have a hot temper, as people like to say, and so I I can be very kind, and I don't like it when people are rude, but living in a dorm full of girls that I then felt responsible for their decision-making, or not completely, but I was the one in charge of making sure that that floor was a good place for people, it was, it was a big struggle, and my spirit did not handle it well all the time. I felt, again, I really sank into myself, and I thought, the only thing that I get to control is my life. Because I can't make these girls do what I want them to do. Yeah. And it's so frustrating, but it's okay because at the end of the day, I've got me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one who's got me, and that's fine. Yeah. And then, okay, so like here you are struggling with this control and this desire to want to fit everything into this five-year plan that you've already mm. written out and you know made your list for and, and, and all of that. But like how when things were out of control now that you're an adult and you couldn't sink into basketball practice to let out your anxieties or, or, you know, whatever you used to cope in high school, what were your new, cause once you can't just like, okay, I'm going to stop coping with these things in negative ways because I feel like it. Um, just because I moved, it's going to be okay. Well, you're going to fit unless you do some, some work and work on yourself and fit in positive habits. You're just going to keep having poor habits of coping over and over and over again, whatever they look like. So what did that look like for you during that time? That was the struggle was I, I, I did it. I did the five-year plan. I was on track for it. And I kept my fallback is to, I feel like most of the time, be really angry. Hmm. Be really angry at the world. So at this point, I was dating my then-to-be husband, and I am just ticked off all the time and I lash out at other people I feel like I made other people feel less than me because that was that was something that gave me that made me feel better about myself yeah in a time where I felt terrible about myself I realized that I had like that that was just a super bad coping habit but I didn't know how to get out of it Mm. I'm spiraling into lashing out at other people also just even in my head being really honest thinking that other people were less than me yeah you're not making smart decisions you're really stupid and I just don't want to deal with you and so those constant thoughts in my head about other people kind of carried me through that time period where I'm sitting on this high horse thinking I'm doing everything right and the rest of you are so dumb Mm, yeah so that that doesn't feel good inside (laughs) no it's like you think oh man she's really full of herself but it was like no it was so 
degrading to myself and so tearing down and it kept my relationships with other people so distant Mm -hmm. it felt like in that time because I couldn't I couldn't tell them what was going on with me right after I just said something insensitive or hurtful to them like they don't care about me yeah it's like you didn't create a safe space for other people so then because of that there wasn't a safe space for you either which and even some of these friends that would listen to this they'd probably think well she might not I don't really remember her being that way and I'm like but I was thinking it like that's the headspace that I was in where I didn't feel close to you because I didn't feel like you were at my level. And I didn't feel like you were at my level because I was so, so overly critical to myself and so harsh on everything that I was doing. It was this really weird loop and spiral of keeping me so separate from other people. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's really what a lot of these hard things force us to do is either we either need to like, run to other people and be honest and real and get help or we isolate ourselves more and more and more and more and then we end up looking at ourselves and we're like well even though I'm in a room full of people I'm completely alone and I hate to say it but I think a lot of it is because of me yeah absolutely it's because of me I have isolated myself so much and I have beat up myself and other people that I don't even know how to look in the mirror much less look you in the eye and tell you what's wrong with me Mm. And then, like, during all of this, where where was God for you? Where was your – because you went to a Christian school and in, in elementary school, middle school, high school, and now college. Where Where's God in this for you? So this is the funny thing about my relationship with God at that moment was I felt like I had given so much of my life to him. I was – I would call myself a Christian 100%, and I believe that I was because I would try to fall back on him – I would try to fall back on him. He was your backup plan. He was my backup plan yeah. to my backup plan. Yeah. And so, but I wasn't in the word. I wasn't praying. I wasn't trying to figure out what he wanted for my life. I didn't even know what that meant, but I felt like I had given so much of my life to him. I'd gone to a Christian school all my life. Granted, part of it wasn't my choice, Yeah. but I chose to go to a Christian college. I don't, I chose to date nice Christian men. I chose to be an RA at a nice Christian. Like I was making these decisions Even when I was about to get out of school, I was applying to Christian organizations. So I thought, outwardly, the Lord has my life. Yeah. You don't get to have my inward self. That's not part of this deal. Mm. So you're like, I'll trust the Lord enough so that he'll direct my path and like give me all the safe things. But inside, there's too much. Like there's too much going on. There's too much at risk if I were to give you all the inside stuff. Yes. And I... I've said this before. I hold like the plan of my life or this ball of anxiety so close to my chest. Like I'm clutching it and I let other people put their hands on it. Like my family, my friends' expectations, my professor's expectations. I don't know how to lift my fear of their disappointment or their expectations off of my life. And I certainly have no idea how to pull my hands off of my own life. Yeah. And so like, God, you can have a hand on it, but I have no, I did not know how to give it to him yeah or how to ask for what I needed from him mm-hmm. I had no clue well yeah you didn't even know how to open your hands no to, to let anything you know change the thing that you were you were holding on to so tightly I didn't even know how to see my hands underneath the expectations of other people yeah I mean it was so buried even my own hands are so buried deep under this deep-seated fear that I had that other people were going to be disappointed in my decisions that I couldn't make any room for the Lord mm-hmm. much less 
give him all the room. Well, yeah, because because helping other people and and fulfilling expectations and all that is the right thing to do, right? Like, and I'm doing quotes right here. It's like you're a good person if you fulfill everyone's expectations. You're a good person if this and that. That sounds like that was a lot of your your list in your life growing up was just trying to be this good person on the outside. A hundred percent. I never felt like I had. I mean, I had a couple moments where I felt really deep disappointment from people in my life and everything in me was like we're never doing that again yeah we're never going to have that again so whatever we have to do to keep that disappointment off of other people about me that's what we're going to do those are the decisions we're going to make well yeah and since you were struggling to be vulnerable with other people and sharing things about your life like like you said you kept a lot of this stuff inside is that you were letting people's expectations dictate what you were doing without them even having the full story mm-hmm. right yep. and so like when we don't even give the people because the people that you trust in your life like your parents your now husband like your your close friends those are all really good things to let to let influence you and we I mean we always say like you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with right and so like that's a great thing but if you're not giving anybody the full story how are people supposed to direct you in a, in a healthy way? Exactly. And in that moment, I didn't want them to. Yeah. Because I was so, I knew that I was so unhealthy in myself that I was thinking if I actually let anybody see what is going on underneath this, yeah. I'm going to actually be alone. Because hmm. you were just afraid that people would see this this different image that you had projected and see the, the, the flaws within and be like, okay, peace out. I thought I was getting this model but I've got this model instead yeah I mean to all my super outwardly confident people out there like they know what I'm feeling when it's I portray this very confident image I'm confident in how I look I'm confident in my grades I'm confident in this and then but if you actually let people see the underneath the ugly side of that confidence where I'm starting to doubt myself which at this moment was with my choice of life direction yeah I was like I'm starting to doubt I'm doubting where I'm going and I'm feeling this and I'm not trying to make that like a weird – it, at the time, it wasn't a super spiritual feeling. I was yeah. just feeling very unsettled with my life, which didn't make any sense because I had checked every single box that I put out for myself since I was a freshman in high school. Mm, gosh. And it – I mean, that looking back, you're like, well, that was probably God Ugh, stirring, definitely was. <laughs> stirring that in me that this is a different direction. Okay, so you're now graduating college with your communications degree – you've you've got the boyfriend that you're going to marry right uh you you're getting a job you're working with a christian organization youth for christ oh man i was so excited i did again inwardly sometimes if i let myself reflect on it too much i knew that something was off but outwardly it was awesome Mm -hmm. i was graduating debt-free from a great college i had gotten my degree i'd gotten a job before i'd even fully graduated out of school i was going to start in the summer I, with a great Christian organization, I was getting engaged. I knew I was getting engaged once I graduated to a good Christian man. I was so excited, but there was always something underneath it that I was thinking, you have to ignore that. You have to ignore that or it's all going to blow up. Hmm. And it was just like waiting for it to blow up. And I thought I could keep pushing it off. Yeah. So because we both worked together at Youth for Christ for a few years, I I know a little bit of your, your story within that. And um, I know you had moments where, because I mean, Youth for Christ, we are a very 
we're, we try to be spirit led and we do a lot of prayer and we do a lot of uh, discerning and trying to figure out what God wants for us to do and and we really focus on all of that. And so there's been I, de- I know there's definitely moments in your journey with Youth for Christ where you've you've you haven't been able to truly press into that and know what what some of the things that we're talking about look like because you've had so much control in your life that, you know, prayer seems foreign. God's discernment seems a little foreign, you know, being spirit led seems a little foreign. So how does that journey look like for you throughout Youth for Christ? Yeah. So it was, I honestly felt again, super alone and very embarrassed to even reach out and ask for help because when I was, so I graduated and I started working Youth for Christ, loved my job, so excited about it. Um, and then again, I was having these deep seated feelings of why didn't you ask for my help? Why didn't I assume that this was coming from God at the time Mm. of like, why aren't you leaning on me? I don't understand. And so I talked to a beloved coworker about it and they said, well, what do you think the Lord is leading you to? Like, what do you, what have you been discerning from what he's been saying? And I was so unbelievably embarrassed to say to this person and I didn't say it. I was thinking, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I know how to pray. I know what prayer looks like, but how do I actually listen to the Lord's voice and ask him about a decision I'm making? I don't know how to do that because hmm. I have held things so close to me for so long and I've made all my decisions. Like I, every decision up until that point, I didn't pray about it. I didn't discern from the Lord about it. I just thought this is the smart decision and I'm going to do it. Yeah. You've been like, okay, well, God's obviously like aligning my life to look this way. And so I'm just going to follow that. I'm amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I like everything's worked out for me. So clearly the Lord's back in me. Yeah. So when you had that moment of realization where you're like, I don't actually know how to surrender. I don't know how to pray for God's will. I don't know how to do those things. And you felt, you felt like you said you felt embarrassed. Why do you think you felt embarrassed for that? I felt embarrassed because how do you, how since the age of basically four, do you act like a Christian all your life? Do you go to a Christian school? Do you see the goodness and graciousness of God working in your life and not know how to trust him and not know how to ask for help when it comes to your relationship with him? I just, and again, you're, I was surrounded by incredible Christian influences like I've always had so many in my life and I've always felt that imposter syndrome of I don't belong here I don't know how to do this and so it's so embarrassing to look what and I'm I know that they have their own problems but to look at what I pictured as the perfect spiritual influence in my life in the face and say to them hey I'm working at Youth for Christ and I might not actually know how to pray right hmm it's that desire that you've always had to fulfill the expectations of other people that now you're looking at this person and you're like, I can't meet the expectations that you have for me or the expectations that even God might have for me. Yeah, I was not in the, again, I was not in the business of disappointing people and I was a communication major first, so I know the words to say and I can say it and make it sound really good and I did. Yeah. But again, sitting by myself later on thinking, you could have asked for help Mm -hmm. and they would have given it to you. Yeah. And you would be in a very different place. So what, where did you go from there? So that was like a a big question for you that really started getting a lot of stuff thinking. 
and uh, it started stirring something in you that maybe hadn't been stirred in a while or that you had let be stirred in a while. So what, what did it, what did it look like after that? I still struggle with this, but it was the summer after I got my job and I'm sitting there thinking, just doesn't, something just doesn't feel right. And so I started to pray and it was uncomfortable and I was like, I'm not doing this right. And I'm still not asking people for help, which is what I know I should be doing. But in those moments, I had such a structured life and I was so safe and so comfortable. And I asked myself the question, what would it look like if it wasn't this way? What would it look like if I made the decision today to hold my life with open hands, to let God take it and to do what you think he's asking you to do? What would that even look like? And it led to many a crying night and many a thought of, I cannot do that. Yeah. How, how in the world do you totally felt like upshift my life and like uproot everything that I had worked for, for the past 23 years, I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. But I was, I just remember very clearly sitting at my desk thinking, if I don't want to feel this way for the rest of my life, I have to do it. I have to find some kind of the freedom of Christ that they're talking about in my own life. I just have to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you did it, you prayed. And a lot of times when we pray and ask God for something, he, he doesn't like, if we're asking God for more, you know, patience or for more, um, love for this certain person, he's not just going to like give it to us in some sort of gifted package or, or, you know, like all of a sudden fill up our, our, uh, patience tank. And then we're like unbelievably patient, just magically, he's going to give us opportunities to be patient, opportunities to learn how to surrender opportunities to, you know, work through some of the things that we're doing with him, with him, with us. And so after you prayed that, and after you, you started really thinking through that and opening your hands like a little bit, what, what did, what did you find? What did you see? What are some of the things that God really stuck out to you during that? I just, I genuinely really saw God's goodness and his grace in those times. And at the time I joked with myself, I'm like, well, this is the Lord's punishment. I have to change careers now and it's going to be so unbelievably hurtful and painful. Um, but no, I, I made the decision to let him hold my life in as much as I could. I mean, I was still reaching out and like, Lord, could we please just turn it this direction? Yeah. <laughs> but that's not how that works. Yeah. Um, and so I started making decisions. I started allowing him to direct my life. And he his goodness showed in that people started to come around me and they wouldn't let me deflect their questions about my life. They said, no, I want to actually know what you're feeling today because I can tell something's off. Yeah. No, I want to actually you to actually say something of meaning to me. And I had multiple people in my life, which what felt like for the first time start doing that for me. And I started thinking I have to let them in. Yeah. And so I started talking with people and just seeing the Lord's faithfulness through that was amazing. Hmm. And it's not it's like easier said than done right so what were some of your big struggles during that time of realizing like I need to release control of some things in my life I think it came out most in my relationships and I think my temper came out over and over again in that I didn't want to be where I was at and so the Lord just kept hammering it down on me that 
this is what I'm asking of you. This is what I'm calling you to do. And so really learning to listen to that voice and let myself accept the freedom of allowing someone else to make decisions for me. Mm. That's what I feel like I got most through that time was there is so much freedom and so much release and relief yeah. from not feeling like I have to control every minute of my day yeah, or it will be hijacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be hijacked. That's, <laughs> that's what so many people feel like. It's going to be taken from me. It's going to be stolen from me. Like this life that I've planned out is going to be like hijacked and held hostage and, and uh, it's, it feels painful. Or it's going to be so much worse than what I imagined. Yeah. Or I'm going to disappoint so many people. I mean, the thought, and my parents are incredible. The thought of telling them, hey, I am going to change careers. I've gone to, I've graduated. I have a great job and I'm going to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Just was so nauseating. Not that they'd ever put that pressure on me, but I'd put that pressure on myself yeah. from what I believed other people wanted from me that the thought of doing that was so awful. Mm-hmm. But once I did it, my relationships changed. They were so supportive. My friends were so supportive. People were saying that they were proud of me. People were asking me how I was doing, which as a person who very much leans on myself and holds myself to a much higher standard than anybody else could, the fact that people could have empathy for me and genuinely want to listen when I had problems was such a foreign concept to me because I've always been strong. Yeah. I don't need you to feel sorry for me. Mm. And when you don't need people to feel sorry for you, they typically don't. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't open yourself up to people, they're not going to be there for you because they don't think you need them. Mm -hmm. And so that was the new relationships that I was getting to have with people. Yeah. And they're a lot deeper than the other ones. They're so, I mean, they're so, they're so much different. They're so much better. They're so much deeper. You can start, I felt like I could start pouring out into other people mm. versus constantly feeling sapped of my own energy. Yeah. And like genuinely pouring out into other people, not the fake like, oh, yeah, I'll show up to your flag football game like what or whatever. Yeah. You know, you were in it actually like your your heart was engaged mm-hmm. in relationships instead of just your your mind and your your outside persona. You let your insides yes. in into those relationships as well. Yep. My smiles we're genuine for people. Yeah. I genuinely wanted to hear how you were doing because I was doing okay. Mm-hmm. It it just caused a total shift in my thinking. Yeah. It's it's such a big change and so it it's such a freeing feeling. And so okay, so you decided to change careers. Obviously, I said at the beginning you're a senior nursing student and so hopefully people can put two and two together, right? That you you went to nursing school. So Talk about that journey and how, how did you get there? How is that, how has this last three years been for you? I, I just did messy things, things that to me felt so foreign and so messy and decision-making that I was having, first of all, I was letting the Lord, I was talking to God about it, which felt super foreign, but now I'm also getting married. So I have to talk to another person. I have a built-in person that I have to communicate with now, which is such a struggle for me. But yeah, I went to Ivy Tech. I took night classes while working full time for two years, which was, that's what I, 
that felt like my punishment from the Lord for mm. not following his leading the first time. Yeah. Um, you were stuck doing night class. Oh, man. From 6 to 10 at night <laughs> in a totally foreign place, which again, it just felt messy. Uh-huh. I was and, like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And God's like, if you would have listened to me in the first place, this wouldn't be this hard. Exactly. You might not be here right now. Uh-huh. But it was really good, and I learned a lot from that. But, yeah, no, so then uh, two years ago, I got into the Huntington nursing program and feeling the freedom and the relief of being in and not that I think that everybody has like a one set plan for your life I think the Lord's gonna move and work as long as you're letting him but feeling like I was living in God's plan what a difference even in just my college experience even though it's so different from my first go round such a different experience and felt like I could actually pour all of myself into this Mm -hmm. into what I'm doing yeah and during that journey of control, did you have moments where you're like wanted to take it back? Oh, I still do. Yeah. I, I still struggle with it. Cause even right now I'm searching for jobs and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into that part of nursing. I don't want to. And thinking, no, you, cause even now I'm like, oh, I have to have this specific job, this specific shift thinking, no, the Lord is limitless and you can do whatever basically whatever you want in this that the lord is going to direct you and so i'm still struggling with it but i now have better habits Mm -hmm. and better fail safes than what i did before yeah and you have community yes i have these wonderful friends that i love so much and mentors and pastors and my like just such good community of people who actually see me now yeah because I let them. Yeah, they have the whole story. Yes. Now, <laughs> which is great. Now they do. Now that I've done this podcast. <laughs> Here's the whole story, everyone. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> so how did your relationship with God, like how is it now in comparison to how it was when you were controlling your own life? I feel like I can actually talk to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I before, and I think that most Christians would feel this way, that there's things that we don't want to bring up in prayer. There's things that we don't yeah. want to talk about. And now feeling the freedom of being able to say, God, I don't, I don't have it today. Mm -hmm. I don't have it today. And I need you to have it today. And then thinking he has it every day. Yeah. Like if you're faithfully committing to putting your life in his hands, he has it every day. Mm -hmm. And so it's so different. I actually enjoy reading my Bible now because I feel like I'm able to learn things past that big wall I put up in my head of the Lord. I'm like, I don't want you to come past this wall. So I certainly don't want to know more about you Mm -hmm. because you don't, I don't feel like you know me. And so it's so different. It's yeah. so good. And I enjoy it. So right now, do you have a, a, a verse or, you know, a passage or a story that that always like when you're struggling with this idea of control or even wanting to let God into your life more and more or what's something that always brings you back? Uh, so someone, a very special person in my life from college showed me this first because they were one of the few people that really saw my struggle with control and knew that my busyness and my planning and my all that anxiety was gonna bite me one day and so they sent me Proverbs 1921 which said many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand Mm. I hated it (laughs) I was so angry about that text because I was like actually my plans are standing and you're gonna see like when I graduate it'll Mm. be fine yeah so there was a lot of that self-righteousness in that. But now looking at that, I'm just like, the Lord is so good. Yeah. And his plans are going to stand. And to be able to lean into the perfect God whose plans are not going to fail yeah. is 
the best thing. And better. They're better than we can ever plan for ourselves. Ever. Which, tell that to high school Courtney and she would have been like, that is the dumbest thing you could have <laughs> ever said. I want to call you out on that one. Yeah. And so another, honestly, the two songs too that I always flow back to because I just think that some of the lyrics, uh, Come Thou Fount, mm. when, it set, when it talks about um, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Even the part before that, bind my wandering heart to thee. That's what I've always felt like I've had. Mm. I'm like, I love the Lord, but I have that wandering heart that wants to do what it wants to do. Yeah. And I think I can do it well. Yeah. But I can't. And the other one is a newer one, but it's Captain by Hillsong. And it's just speak to the sails of my wandering heart like the wind you'll guide. Clear the skies before me. And it's God's your captain. And that's. Yeah. He's the one who's going to make your life what it, what he wants it to be, what it should be. Mm. And it's, yeah, I just like his plans for our life is so much better than we could even imagine for ourselves. Cause even looking at my life, I didn't plan on doing full-time ministry. I didn't plan on doing campus life. I didn't plan on this, this, and this. I went to school for elementary education. And so, but God had a totally different story in mind for me and it's greater than I could have ever imagined. And the, the same for you life. I'm sure high school Courtney would have been like, absolutely not. I'm not going, going into nursing. That was my worst nightmare. That's what my brother did. That's what my mom does. And I just thought that is never, never will I do that. Yeah. And God's like, well, you're going to do it. (laughs) You're going to do it. You're not going to like it, but no. And then you're going to like it a lot. Yeah. And then it's amazing. (laughs) So Courtney, right now, I'd love to give you the chance to read your letter to your younger self. Dear younger me, let go. That tight ball of anxiety and scheduling, busyness and worry, expectations and smart choices you are clutching against your chest let them go. The backup plan you have stored away in case things don't go exactly as planned the first time, let it go. The fear of not measuring up to your family's expectations, to your friends' opinions, to your coworkers' wishes, let it go. There's one captain of your life and he is kind, good, merciful, and just. He is your freedom and you don't have to live like this. It is okay to question decisions, to let your guard down, and show others you might not have it all figured out. It's okay to tell people you might not actually know how to pray and discern. It is okay to ask for help. It is okay to be vulnerable and sad about what is being asked of you and doing it anyway. You have the best people in your life who want to help you. You are not a burden. You are a beloved friend. You are not a burden. You are a beloved daughter. You are not a burden. You are a treasured member of Christ's kingdom. I'm sorry I didn't love you well at the time, but it gets better. Just let go. Love me. When you're thinking through this letter and talking to your younger self and you're you're telling your younger self, like, hey, I'm sorry I didn't love you well, what does that mean for you? Just thinking of how heavily critical I was to myself at the time and those thinking that I wasn't worthy of having people come alongside me and love me because either I thought I could do it better or I just didn't feel worthy of it because, yeah. yeah, it makes me so sad. And it just, I think of all the amazing relationships I could have had, bridges I've burned, um, but I didn't give myself the freedom to let people see me. Yeah. And it's super, it's super sad to me. Mm-hmm. Like even the reminder to your younger self over and over again that you're not a burden and that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to not have it all together and it's okay to not be okay. 
you know, and reminding, I think a lot of us need that reminder all the time because we are, we live in a world right now that wants to have this clean cut Instagram filtered life, but life isn't like that. Life is messy and we all need help in different areas of our lives and not feeling the, the ability to ask for it feels so isolating and so lonely, you know? And so if somebody's struggling with that feeling, if like the feeling of not being able to ask for help, feeling of, you know, so self-critical of wanting to be perfect, but, and looking at everybody else's life and be like, why can't I feel like them? And why can't I be like that? Or, you know, even that deep control, what is some good advice that you have for people in that, that season of life? I would just say, and I still say that mantra to myself, you are not a burden. You are beloved. There are either there are people in your life who genuinely want to help you. And as someone who fought against that tooth and nail and held that control, I promise you that there are people that want to help you. And even if you feel like there's not a single person that wants to help you, I promise that God wants to listen. There is someone out there who wants to listen to what's going on with you and who wants to see the real you. Yeah. And please, please lean into that. Because even if you think you're going to hold yourself together for a really, really long time, and you probably can, I did it for 23 years, Mm -hmm. there's going to come a time where it's going to crack and you're going to need people. And yeah, you're just, you're not a burden. Yeah. And I don't want you, I don't want people to feel that way because I still feel that way. And then when you repeat to yourself, I am beloved, it makes it so much easier to reach out to those people who love you. Mm-hmm. If you believe it yourself, it's going to be 10 times easier to reach out. Yeah, because like believing that you're lovable gives you a chance to feel loved. Exactly. There have been times that I've reached out to Liz here and just I at first I'm thinking, don't do that. Don't burden her with your like issues. Just go over there and play just dance or just have a good time. And I'm just thinking you're beloved. You're a beloved friend. You don't have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And then I can be real. Yeah. Just that reminder of like God, God sees you as the most beloved. And so being able to like, I pray often, God, help me to see myself through your eyes. Help me to see other people through your eyes. And what God calls each and every one of us is beloved, is his child, is uh, this tender masterpiece And that's the thing I think has kind of been the string of God's message throughout my life. Even when I was back in the very angry days thinking, you're below me, you're beneath me, you're not making good decisions. They are a treasured member of Christ's kingdom. Mm -hmm. And if I had looked at them through that lens, how different would I have been? How different would my relationship with have been? How different would I have made them feel? Mm -hmm. And then coming to today where I'm a treasured member of Christ's kingdom and I should be living that way. Yeah. Because now I think, oh, man, those other people, they're the best. They're so great. And then I'm tearing myself down all the time. So when you when you look at the world through the mindset of everyone is a treasured member of Christ's kingdom and he wants them in his kingdom, yeah, the differences that we would have in our re- reactions to other people and the way we interact would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because we're loving from Jesus within us, not from our, our forcing ourselves to fake a smile or to pretend or it's from a genuine place of of love and pouring being able to pour out God onto other people into ourselves exactly doing it in your own power is only it's only able to last for so long yeah oh. Courtney thank you so much for sharing your story and for for being honest and for being real and 
I promise it's okay that you cried a little bit because a lot of people do. No one could tell. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like, it's so important to take time to look back and be like, okay, what would, what, what did my younger self need to hear? And we're able to then learn so much about our lives and look back and praise God for how absolutely incredible this transformation in your life is. And to be like, okay, because God has done all this in my life, I know he's trustworthy. I know that I can trust him with my journey because he took this journey that I was holding on to so tightly and he like he made it better than I could have ever imagined. So I am so thankful to be your friend. I am happy to know you and I am I see Jesus in you and you speak passionately and you're a lovely human being. (laughs) So thank you for being here and for being honest and for sharing. Thanks, Liz. Yeah. And everybody at home, thank you so much for listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me. Make sure you guys like us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share this with your friends. You can like our Facebook page and, and share that all along. And guys, today, I hope you learned a lot more about Courtney, a lot more about yourself, and even more about God. Go out and have an awesome day.